There's a few reasons why it's important to make arrangements for your pet in your estate plan. First of all, from a legal standpoint, pets are classified as property. Accordingly, you can't leave assets to your pet in your will. As odd as it sounds, legally speaking, leaving assets to your pet dog, for example, is the same thing from a legal standpoint as leaving assets to your car. It just doesn't work that way. Unless you plan otherwise, your pets may be distributed in the same manner as your car or other property that you have, and this might lead to a situation where the pet ends up in the hands of someone who doesn't want that responsibility. Welcome to the Wealth Experience Podcast. From big picture planning strategies to developing market trends, we bring light to a range of important matters so you can build your wealth with confidence. Brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. Hello, and thanks for joining us. With nearly two-thirds of Canadians owning a pet, and more than 90% saying that those pets improve the quality of life, continued care and support for these beloved family members is an essential planning consideration. Here to discuss the importance of including pets as part of your estate plan are Chris Buttigieg, Senior Manager of Wealth Planning Publications at BMO Wealth Planning, and Chris Marcoux, Director of Estate Planning at BMO Wealth Planning. Hello, I'm Chris Buttigieg. I'm Chris Marcoux. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the BMO Wealth Experience Podcast. You know, I'm pleased to talk to you today about a topic that I can certainly connect to, and I'm sure the majority of Canadians can as well. You know, with 62% of Canadians having at least one pet in their household, I can attest that having a pet can have such a profound effect on a person or a family, and would certainly include myself as part of those 90% of owners in a survey that say their pet makes their life better. You know, there are many reasons why someone would have a pet, but simply for their love of animals and companionship. As a pet owner myself, I'll speculate that other pet owners feel the same way about their pets too. That is, we love our pets and we would do just about everything that you could imagine for them. Yet, there's an important detail that is overlooked by so many Canadians in regards to the well-being of their pets. Chris, as an estate planning practitioner, you work with so many families to explore their estate and legacy goals, and there's something that is quite often overlooked or assumed by many who are pet owners. What are some of the things you discuss with clients around their estate plans, and what is this detail that most often goes unaddressed? Well, Chris, as you said, many Canadians do have pets in their household, and as a matter of fact, we have pets in our household at home as well. When I meet with clients to discuss their estate plan, We mainly explore and discuss financial assets and how to pass those financial assets on to the desired beneficiaries. I can't recall ever asking a client to list all their assets. I can't recall ever having a client list a pet Mm -hmm. as one of their assets. Mm -hmm. We talk about how to pass the assets on to the beneficiaries. Uh, In simple situations, it's just a direct distribution to the beneficiaries. In more complicated situations, we establish trusts with certain terms for the beneficiaries. If the clients have minor children, we talk about who they wish to appoint as the guardian for the children. We also talk about ownership structures and taxes, such as income tax and probate tax. But the one detail, as I suggested earlier, that often gets overlooked is pets. And who's going to take care of these pets if the pet outlives the owner? Wow. You know, while I'm surprised to hear this, <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm shocked considering there are so many details and issues that need to be addressed in an estate plan. In fact, what I do find surprising is that 80% of Canadians consider their pets to be a member of their family. And when 38% of Canadians celebrate their pet's birthday and 88% of Canadians think their pet is the cutest, 
I think there's an interesting parallel to be to being a parent. And like many parents who celebrate their children's birthday and think their children are the cutest, we make provisions in the will such as guardianships and trusts to care for them in case we no longer can. And so likewise, you know, it makes sense to make these provisions for our pets in the estate plan. Chris, would you agree? Absolutely. I agree so much with what you've said, Chris. There's a few reasons why it's important to make arrangements for your pet in your estate plan. First of all, from a legal standpoint, pets are classified as property. Accordingly, you can't leave assets to your pet in your will. As odd as it sounds, legally speaking, leaving assets to your pet dog, for example, is the same thing from a legal standpoint as leaving assets to your car. It just doesn't work that way. Unless you plan otherwise, your pets may be distributed in the same manner as your car or other property that you have. And this might lead to a situation where the pet ends up in the hands of someone who doesn't want that responsibility. Secondly, informal arrangements often fall short. You may assume that a friend or family member will take care of your pet, or you might have even had informal discussions about this topic with friends and family. However, these arrangements may fail for a number of reasons. The person might have allergies, there might be conflicts with other pets, incompatibility with children, relocation issues, or even a lack of adequate finances. And thirdly, disagreements between the people left behind might be a factor. If you haven't planned for your pets in your estate plan, your friends and your family might disagree about who should adopt your pets. This may take some time to get resolved, and in, in extreme circumstances, a court proceeding may be required. In the meantime, your pet may not be receiving the care it deserves. Oh, I so hear you on this. Those are certainly valid reasons, and even further to that, I remember reviewing a BMO survey where 76% of the respondents felt it was important to make arrangements for the ongoing care of their pet. Yet, only 7% had made formal arrangements for their pet in their estate planning documents. You know, what I found very interesting from the survey was that 46% assumed that a surviving family member is going to take care of their or adopt their pet. Chris, is that a reasonable assumption to make? Well, Chris, I think that's a very typical assumption that most people make. They just assume it'll work itself out and a family member or friend will step in and take care of their pet. But the unfortunate reality is that if no one does step in, the pet may end up at a shelter, and that often does happen. And this might be due to another assumption that we generally make, which is that we will outlive our pets. Just as medical science continues to extend the human lifespan, it is also extending the lives of our furry friends. With the improvement of nutrition and health care and medical care for animals, I understand that cats can live to be 20 years old, and some breeds of dog live about that long as well. Some exotic pets, such as parrots, can actually outlive a human. And if an individual owns a pet later in life, in retirement, for example, if they own a puppy or a kitten, yeah. there's a real chance that that animal may outlive them. Right. It reminds me of a, an interesting story a, a colleague of mine told me recently, Chris. Okay. Uh, there's a married couple, and they had no children. But they had horses, and they loved these horses, and they pampered these horses, and they treated them like gold, and they made elaborate plans in their estate planning documents to take care of their horses after both of them had passed away. And what they did is they established trusts in their wills for these horses, and they set aside $200,000 in each trust, and there was details with respect to the vet who's going to take care of the horses, the food, the types of care that they need. All of these details were out outlined in the trust documentation and at the end of the day after horse number one dies whatever money's left in his trust or her trust would pass to the other horse's trust and then when that horse dies 
the assets that are remaining in the trust would pass to an equine center for children with disabilities. I see. Wow, that's great. You know, that it's it's uplifting to know that, you know, these horses are going to be looked after if their owners are no longer around and even more so there are the benefits to other people that, that these horses are going to bring. Absolutely. You know, it's it's an interesting story and I and I thank you for sharing it. But since the podcast is about the wealth experience, perhaps that story is a great segue for us to talk about how to effectively make provisions for pets in the estate plan. You know, first and foremost, it's important to consider who's going to be willing and able to take care of your pet in your absence, both for the short term and as a permanent caregiver. You know, stress and confusion are common in the event of an unexpected illness, an accident or death. And it's during these times that a pet can be inadvertently overlooked, perhaps for days, and that wouldn't be good. A temporary care emergency care plan for your pet will help ensure it gets daily care and attention. Chris, what are some of the things our listeners can consider when selecting their pet caregivers? Well, Chris, for short-term emergency situations, you want to name one or more responsible family members or friends as temporary emergency caregivers. Make sure they have access to your home and provide them with care and feeding instructions, the name of your vet, and any details about permanent placement provisions that you've got in place. Absolutely. So making arrangements for the short term makes a lot of sense. But you also mentioned that we should make provisions for the permanent placement of our pets. You know, I would add that we should also include an alternative caregiver in case the first choice is unable to act for some reason. Chris, are there any special considerations that our listeners should consider when selecting or approaching a, a caregiver, a permanent caregiver? Absolutely, Chris. I'll mention a few of them. First of all, the caregiver that you select is going to have full discretion over your pet's care, which includes vet treatment, but also end-of-life decisions as well, if that becomes necessary. You want to choose somebody who's able to provide a stable home for your pet and who you trust will always do what's in the pet's best interest. Also, consider where your pet's going to be able to live comfortably. For example, if that person has pets or other family members, for example, that uh, may not get along with your pet, that's definitely something you want to consider. You also want to have a, a candid conversation with your intended caregiver in advance and make sure they're willing to take on this responsibility. Discuss any special care your pet may need so the caregiver fully understands the commitment and also make suitable financial arrangements for the care of your pet, which might make the caregiver more comfortable about taking on this responsibility. You know, Chris, those are great points that you make, but what if you do not have a person who's willing and able to take on the role of caregiver? I would suggest perhaps that our listeners could consider naming a sanctuary or a rescue organization or a no-kill shelter in your estate plan. These facilities can often find a trustworthy caregiver, but you should keep in mind that there may be a fee that you'll need to factor into your estate planning for these services. You know, that leads us to the next step, which is, of course, to document your intentions. So once you've selected a caregiver, you should formally document your intentions in your estate plan. The simplest and most straightforward approach is to simply make an outright gift of your pet to your designated caregiver. You may also want to include a gift of money to the caregiver with instructions that the funds are to be used for the care of your pet. Chris, you mentioned earlier the story of the couple who established a trust for their horses. Could you elaborate a little more on the details and the process for establishing a pet trust? Sure, Chris. 
You just gave an, a great example of what a lot of people do, which is just to leave a pet to a specific beneficiary along with a sum of money with some general instructions saying that you wish for them to take care of the pet. Right. With that situation, though, there's no legal mechanism to ensure that the person actually uses the funds for the benefit of a pet. A trust, on the other hand, provides for additional protection for your pet. It creates a legally binding arrangement for the ongoing care. With a pet trust, you would typically establish in your will, you can name a caregiver for your pet and a trustee as well as alternates. The trustee and the caregiver can be the same person, but naming different people makes one accountable to the other. And that's adding further protection for your pet. For example, the trustee can ensure that the caregiver is following your instructions, can regularly inspect your pet's health and living conditions, and can follow instructions for the final distribution of any funds as we talked about in that horse example, after the pet has passed away, you will have a provision in the trust that says where the funds are going to go. And it's the trustee who would be responsible for taking care of those instructions. The trustee. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That's good. Yeah. In Canadian common law provinces, which is all the provinces except Quebec, pet trusts are considered non-charitable purpose trusts. And these types of trusts are generally not legally valid. There are a few exceptions, and one of them is the purpose of caring for a specified animal or for specified animals. If it was a general purpose to take care of animals generally, the trust might actually fail from a legal standpoint. In the horse trust case that we talked about earlier, the owner had actually registered the horses and referred to them in the will by the registration number to make sure the trust would not okay. fail. In Quebec, it might be possible to establish a trust under their private trust rules. And something that's important to note is that depending on the province, the trust may be limited to a life of 21 years. Wow. You know, I really like that strategy. I like the idea of pet trusts, especially for those you know who adore their pets and have the means. And, and it is, of course, appropriate for them to establish a trust for their pet. We also mentioned thus far several instances of providing funds for fees and costs of caring for the pet. So it makes sense that the last step in making provisions for our pets in the estate plan is to arrange funding for the costs of the care. Chris, are there any special considerations our, our listeners should keep in mind? Sure, Chris. The costs of caring for a pet span a wide range and vary with the pet's age and breed, as well as its lifestyle and your personal preferences. Some things to consider are the costs of transporting the pet to the caregiver, the annual care expenses such as food and vet bills, any special health needs that might require expensive medical treatment, and finally, do you want to provide compensation to the person who's caring for your pet? Okay, so you know this has been a great opportunity to speak with you, Chris. You know, as a pet owner myself, I found this to be a very interesting discussion, and and hopefully for our listeners as well. My key takeaway from our conversation for our listeners who have pets is to think about their pet's welfare should they outlive their owners. This means it's important to consult with a legal advisor to review your estate plan and ensure it is current and up to date. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you, Chris. That was Chris Buttigieg and Chris Marku on how you can incorporate your pets into your estate plan. I want to thank both of our guests for joining us on The Wealth Experience. I also want to thank all of you for listening. If you've discovered something you'd like to learn more about, we encourage you to carry on the conversation with your relationship manager. For more information on the Wealth Experience Podcast or to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes, visit www.bmo.com slash the wealth experience.
You've been listening to the Wealth Experience Podcast brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. The comments included in this podcast are general in nature and are not legal, tax, or accounting advice. Professional advice should be obtained for your specific circumstances. BMO Wealth Management is the brand name for a business group consisting of Bank of Montreal and certain of its affiliates in providing wealth management products and services. BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated is a member of the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.